Welcome to The Power of Digital Policy, a show that helps digital marketers, online communications directors, and others throughout the organization balance out risks and opportunities created by using digital channels. Here's your host, Christina Podner. Welcome back, friends, to The Power of Digital Policy podcast. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Anissa Taray. Anissa has extensive experience in developing and implementing social impact, climate change, and employee engagement strategies gained during her years in the banking, finance, insurance, and utility sectors. She's based out of InfoBip's London office. And if you don't know who InfoBip is, they are dubbed Croatia's startup unicorn, by the way. And she's going to tell us more about that work and also what we all need to know about engagement strategies, change in climate, and what organizations ought to be doing. So Anissa, welcome. Thank you for having me, Christina. It's, it's a pleasure to be here today. So I have to say, Anissa, I geeked out a little bit in the background because I used to live in Irieka, Croatia, and I was delighted to hear that you're now affiliated with InfoBip, which is headquartered in Vodnjan Istra, which is about an hour and a half away from my family. Tell us more about InfoBip and what you're up to there. What is the company about for those who don't know? And uh, what are you personally up to there? Thank you for that. It's awesome to know that you have been to Croatia. I, I will be very honest in saying I still haven't been yet. So um, post-pandemic, I really look forward to, to going to Istria and Vodnjan and, and, and meeting my colleagues in person. We're a global cloud communications platform that enables businesses to build connected customer experiences across all stages of the customer journey, contextualize interactions over each customer's preferred channels. We are accessed through a single platform and we provide omni-channel solutions that simplify customer communications and, and build both businesses and brand loyalty. I would say we have a very, very unique story. As you mentioned, you know, we're a, we're a unicorn in Croatia. We were born in 2006. And since our inception, 15 years later, we've expanded to include 65 plus offices globally with more than 2,800 employees. And a fact that really surprises me, and it's awesome, is that we reach over 7 billion mobile devices and things in 190 plus countries. Now, to me, that's awesome. We, despite our scale of growth for our company in the past 15 years, we still stay true to the roots of our founders, Sylvia Kutic, Roberta Kutic, and Isabella Yelenich. And the business is still run from Bodian. So, Anissa, it seems like every company these days has a corporate social responsibility program. I know that that's your focus at InfoBit. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is corporate social responsibility? And in terms of the program, who needs one? Why should we even worry about or talk about that today? What should it contain? Tell us more. CSR has um, corporate social Corporate social responsibility, for for short, CSR has been quite a trendy topic, I would say, in the past 10 years. And, and what it is, is that it's a business concept that describes a company's commitment to carry out their business in an ethical way. This truly means managing their business processes while also taking into account a company's social, environmental, and economic impact. I think in terms of when we talk about framing CSR, I think the framing of it should change a bit. I do not believe that it's about companies having to have a CSR agenda. I think it's about CSR being embedded in your DNA, um, in your operations, and in your day-to-day decision-making. Just to give you a bit more perspective in terms of CSR, a general overview of CSR really looks at three verticals, the social, environmental, and governance. And within those verticals, we have different indicators. When we look at the social aspect 
we are really looking at our community investment strategies. How are we contributing back to the communities where we live and work? But we should also look at analyzing how diverse is our workforce? What does our remuneration policies look like across different employee demographics? On the environment aspect, though, we should really look at what does your organizational footprint look like and what can you do to minimize your impact? And from a governance perspective as well, it's, it's about the policies and practices that a business can implement to ensure that they're always operating in an ethical and, and transparent way. You said a magical, several magical words there, at least to me, magical. You said governance and you said policies. And I, I consider myself to be kind of the policy Sherpa and I love everything governance. And so I'm wondering, as we think about CSR, what is really the benefit to the organization of adopting that? Do you think that everybody has to have a CSR program? I definitely do. And I think it's about, as I mentioned, being embedded in your business. There's a lot of benefits to having a CSR program. A lot of those benefits would be specifically looking at, for example, CSR can help you become innovative as an organization, and that could be seen in your product offering. Uh, CSR can help you reduce your cost, and that can be seen in your environmental practices and what you are doing as a business. Other than it being seen as an add-on to your business, it could really help improve your business practices. But not only that, it's also an indication to your stakeholders, your shareholders, your customers, your employees that your license to operate um, is being used in a positive way and you're contributing and giving back to the communities where you do business on a day-to-day basis. You mentioned innovation and how CSR allows you to be more innovative. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, for sure. When we look at, for example, when we look at the fashion industry, lately, the fashion industry has has become synonymous with having major pain points in producing uh, sustainable fashion. The fashion industry can take CSR and really integrate it into their business and ensure that they are being sustainable through and through their products. Currently, you'll see an increase in individuals really looking at sustainable products, and that would then increase your profits at the end of the day. That's really, really helpful. How about what regulations? We're seeing EU governance efforts, their number 681 component shaping, but how does that shape programs like CSR? And is the EU dominating how organizations govern or are you seeing other parts of the world also coming up with their own frameworks? A very fair question. I think CSR has been, as, as we both know, you know, voluntary for a long time, but we're seeing a push from governance in creating CSR transparency, making it more regulatory rather than voluntary. And there's been some good progress, but I think we definitely have a long way to go. As a European company with a global presence, we definitely encourage and welcome ESG governance for businesses both in Europe and in North America. I would also like to add that a lot of that governance is, is definitely pushed by the current um, governments in place. Just yesterday, we saw that the um, Biden administration announced that they would be um, cutting greenhouse gas emissions by 50%. So having a government that really keeps climate change in line really does help push forward those programs. And how much do end consumers really care about that right now? I mean, when we consider things like convenience and cost versus sustainability and ethics, Where is the balance in that? What are you finding to be true in the marketplace? 
I think there's there's two drivers. COVID was one of them. As terrible as it was for a lot of us, I, I think when it comes to the environment and climate change, it's done wonders for us. And, and people do see that. And there's a new generation of consumers who are really looking forward to being more thoughtful about their choices and what they consume. But also that new generation of employees who are really looking to only work for organizations that are making a positive impact. I would say it's changing a lot, and and that's a positive change that we definitely do welcome in the CSR world. That's actually a really great point in terms of employees. We used to be in an era where a company's annual balance sheet was the big driver in terms of who you worked for. If you were at IBM or Oracle, it was really good because it was all about the balance sheet. It's no longer enough, and it seems like the most important document of the year, or at least the bigger ones now are that sustainability report or the transparency on corporate social responsibility. So how transparent should organizations be? I mean, employees see one side and users see another side, but how transparent should enterprises be with their employees and also with their end consumers? Sustainability reporting or CSR reporting or ESG reporting, there's many, many terms for it. It's truly used as a communication vehicle in, in showcasing how organizations are performing from an ESG perspective in terms of the strategies and the programs that they have implemented and, and, and also how they're tracking towards their progress. With that being said, there's various ESG reporting frameworks, uh, such as GRI, IR, SAS, and so on and so forth. and That means that there isn't one unified standard of reporting. This, of course, now creates gaps in transparency and quality of content. However, in my professional opinion, the aim is to be very transparent about your business practices. I think consumers appreciate and customers and and your investors would appreciate honesty about what you are not doing well and then committing to doing better, but also tracking progress year over year to show that you really have made um, an impact. Many listeners who are part of a digital operations or a digital marketing team, they're thinking probably to themselves right now, you're talking a lot about CSR and you're talking a lot about these reports, but how does that get expressed externally to the organization in what I'm doing? Or is it really a topic that executives and board of directors need to worry about? Well, when we look at CSR and and what we're doing or what organizations do from a CSR perspective, there's various ways in which we communicate what is happening. Your CSR reporting, I would say, would be number one, where you showcase what happens in the previous year from a governance, employee, environment, community investment perspective uh, for your organization, but also through communicating internally with your employees and keeping them up to date in terms of what's happening from a CSR perspective, I find that that is also very, very important. And what I'm wondering, does CSR also get somehow embedded into everyday marketing? For example, I'm running a social media campaign, or I'm trying to reach new consumers via SMS um, channel or maybe chatbots. Is there an aspect of CSR to that? And how does that actually translate, if at all? For sure, absolutely. As a, as a cloud communications company, there's a lot that we could do from a CSR perspective. One of our biggest offerings, I would say, is our tech for good. We do use our technology a lot in 
either um, donating it to organizations who are doing uh, positive work in the community, but also providing it at a deeply discounted price. I would say that one of those examples for us would be Public Health of England using our chatbot to help inform the public on COVID. And that's some of the ways in which we as an organization can help impact CSR in, in a positive manner. So it's all about looking at your products as an organization and seeing how does CSR get embedded and what is your expertise and and how can you give back through a CSR lens? That makes a lot of sense. So given that every company is now a data company, very few are not, where is the overlap? I'm thinking as you're talking about what you're doing with chatbots in, in the UK, thinking about data and privacy and social responsibility, can we separate out ethics and responsibility from what we're doing with technology day to day? Because you've got InfoBip, for example, But then you also have Facebook and you have LinkedIn and you have Clubhouse and you have Twitter and you have all of these kind of more nuanced big tech companies. How do we separate out ethics and responsibility from what we're doing with technology? And should those organizations be doing the same thing in terms of CSR that the smaller ones are? Great question. I think it's it's a very, very important topic. And that's because privacy is becoming more and more common as a CSR theme. And this has, I would say, been influenced by the increasing visibility of privacy actually as a concept. And it's really been spurred by several trends, such as California Consumer Protection Act uh, or GDPR. And of course, the increased use of technology. Consumers are now becoming more and more aware. And I think it really helps to reconceptualize corporate actors as data fiduciary. A relationship of stewardship, which repurposes that a corporate actor is really handling the data on the person's behalf and for their benefits. And that means that people entrust companies with their personal data. And now protecting the data and handling it responsibly is therefore seen as part of a company's license to operate. And I would say that the principles of transparency, such as privacy by design and privacy by default would be some of those key manifestations of privacy as part of CSR. Now, externally, these principles would be furthered by genuine engagement with communities, people, researchers, policy work, privacy education, et cetera, et cetera. And these principles are really applied equally across the company to all kinds of personal data. So truly, there should be no distinction between customers versus employee or a lead prospect. And and this, I would say, then ties back to our very definition of CSR at the beginning of our conversation, where we speak about where organizations are supposed to operate in an ethical and transparent manner. And I love that idea. And oftentimes when I talk to small companies or even small you know, startups, they talk about the fact that it all sounds really great and they want to do the right thing. They want to do privacy by design. They want to do what's ethical, what's right. But by the same token, they're struggling because they're small, they're entrepreneurial, perhaps they're startups, and they find it's really hard to keep the lights on and also strive for this excellence and meet some what seems theoretical CSR objectives. Mm -hmm. What tips do you have for those types of organizations? A very, very great point. I think the most important tip would be to truly integrate CSR in, in your DNA from the beginning of your startup. And if it's properly integrated in your strategy, it's not just an option, 
then it, you know it truly becomes part of who you are and therefore there's no question around do we have enough money to do it or not but really it's it's part of who you are as an organization it's part of your product offering as i mentioned before when we look at fashion or retail groceries there's been a wave of sustainable clothing a wave of donations of excess materials and food and much more from new brands and established industry leaders now these practices can then become synonymous with a particular brand and truly give them an advantage in the mind of the consumers. And really, they would look at that brand as synonymous with CSR. And I would say, especially the younger generation would trust that brand even more. That's actually what was going through my head right now, how users and consumers are viewing maybe smaller organizations that are being true to CSR principles versus an Amazon, for example, because it seems like Amazon cannot misstep. And yet I'm not sure how strong their CSR is. Can you maybe give us a little bit of an insight or your opinion on how that space is playing out? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't speak about Amazon CSR practices, but what I can speak about is we saw a rise during COVID in people wanting to support smaller businesses more, businesses that are doing stuff in-house and that are within their communities. And that's, to me, true, genuine care about really paying a bit more for products that are organic or that are kind of grown in your backyard or clothes that are sustainable and use uh, organic cotton. Um, uh, versus unsustainable practices. And I do see that there's a rise in the younger generation really supporting more sustainable practices for businesses and truly putting their money where their mouth is. So for any organization that doesn't have a CSR program in place already, how should they get started? Like, where are they turning to? What is the first thing that they're doing? Let's say that they wanted to kind of take that step. What's tomorrow bringing or what is Monday, I guess, bringing? You'd have to start slow, right? You'd have to look at your organization and see what are some of the most amazing things that you are doing and also analyze what are some of the gaps that you can fill and really truly benchmark yourself against the sector that you're in. When we look at CSR at IB, we're looking at what are we really good at in terms of what we do as a business and technology and what can our offering be from that perspective in the CSR space. But really, when you look at how, where do we want to be in the next three to five years, we're really looking at benchmarking ourselves against our competitors and, and also against the industry in general. But I would say definitely starting slow. There's a lot of great stuff out there in terms of research. You know, Harvard Business Review, for example, has some great articles on CSR. There's There's been a growing body of of academics and research that really speak to CSR. So I, I would say you would start small and then and then continue to, to innovate. Let's say that we have a company that starts the CSR program next week because they feel very inspired by what you've said and the value that they can achieve. How do they go about rolling that out to employees? What does that look like in practical terms in day-to-day life? And, and it, it all depends on the size of your organization. When we look at IB, for example, we're working with a, a global employee base. I've also worked in, in Canadian-only companies. But I would say you would start with communicating about why CSR is important to you as an organization, but also keeping in mind that employees, I do find that in my field, for example, employees are genuinely interested and curious to really know more about CSR. So keeping them engaged 
engaged throughout the journey, I, I find is, is quite beneficial one because it helps employees understand that your organization is having a positive impact. And two, it helps them contribute to that impact. The skill set that you have within your business and your people, I would say, are the most important assets. So engaging them in that process would be very beneficial to you as an organization. That's how I, I truly believe that you can start in CSR and get your employees engaged in that process. And for any organization that's global in nature, do you find that the type of CSR training and the messaging is the same regardless of whether somebody's sitting in London, in Vodnyan, in Bangkok, or in New Delhi? Or does it need to differ? Yeah, I would say that it definitely needs to differ. It needs to take into account cultural aspects and sensitivities. But also when you look at CSR on a global scale, or not even CSR, but what some of the most prominent social issues are across the world, they're, they're very, very different. What we're dealing with in Canada, for example, in terms of what our social issues are, would be very different than what our social issues would be in Vodnyan. So I think it would be a miss not to really understand um, what the issues are in the country that you operate. And that's where we tie back with engaging your employees in those countries, you know, having subcommittees in the different regions and bringing those employees in to understand what are the issues that they're, they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis because they are the experts and, and they are living with those issues and really focusing on making an impact in those specific countries. You can definitely have an overarching strategy of focusing, say, on a certain social issue issues such as poverty or youth well-being, but we would be amiss not to really look at what's really happening on a regional level and really trying to make an impact in those specific regions. That's great. I know you mentioned earlier, and I was thinking about how you're talking about localizing the CSR strategy and really involving employees. One of the things that's coming loud and clear to me is the fact that all of this builds value to the organization. And so it seems like CSR really keyword in any business driving for success. You mentioned earlier it can become a profit center. How does that happen? How does that translate into value directly beyond just making consumers feel good? I think it's it's a it's a long journey. There's always been a question in the CSR world of how do we show that we bring value to the business? But I think it's really important to take the business along in that journey. Right now, for example, we are in the midst of preparing our first ever corporate social responsibility report. And it's a big exercise, which is not just me sitting at my desk and, and really typing it up, but it's me really working with the stakeholders across the business, our VP of product, our VP of, um, of customers, talking to the head of, of HR about what are some of those important aspects that we have worked on as a business? What does our diversity and inclusion look like, for example? What does learning and development look like for us? And really looking at what have we done, but also looking at benchmarking ourselves against the sector and identifying what those gaps are and really showing what is the impact for us as a business to close those gaps and really do better year after year. But it's definitely collaboration and, and taking your colleagues on that journey with you. Anissa, you just mentioned benchmarking. How do organizations go about benchmarking themselves and understanding where they are at the moment? Great question. I think a lot of the work that I have done in the past has involved speaking to experts um, in, in specific areas, looking at those organizations such as business in the community out here in the UK, who really has a 
plethora of organizations that they work with and, and really understand what everybody else in the sector is doing. But I, I believe it's it's based on research and, and really look at what other competitors are doing and also what is the trend, how are we evolving as a society and really trying to make sure that we are not just keeping up, but providing the best for our employees, communities and, and stakeholders. Are we mature enough yet as an industry, as a society to do formal benchmarking so that people can actually do some kind of a kind of probing, prodding investigation and say, look, we're scoring a five out of a 10 or seven out of a 10. And here are the areas we need to improve upon. Or is CSR still an area where we're starting to mature and we haven't reached that level yet? I, I think we're still maturing. I think there's some great examples out there, but I think there, there's still a long way to go. But what I love about the CSR aspect is that as much as we're competitors, for example, with other tech companies, when it comes to CSR, we're all sharing best practices um, and what works best for us to help each other really make a positive impact. And I think that being top of mind has really helped us advance in the CSR space. Well, this has been a really great conversation. I personally feel like I've learned a lot more about CSR and I'm actually feeling very inspired as I hope the listeners are as well. So thanks so much for taking the time today to hang out. Tell us more about this very important area and how it really relates to the governance and the policy work that we're doing every day. Thank you for joining The Power of Digital Policy. To sign up for our newsletter, get access to policy checklists, detailed information on policies, and other helpful resources, head over to thepowerofdigitalpolicy.com. If you get a moment, please leave a review on iTunes to help your digital colleagues find out about the podcast. 